The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program contains important but graphic material. These topics are designed to foster discussion but may be objectionable to some. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. This program is a training program on human trafficking, sextortion, social media exploitation, and child pornography based on actual cases. Our mission is to eradicate human exploitation and bring predators to justice. Now, here is the host of the program, Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. We're having a lot of technical problems this morning. Let me say Voice America is not. It is Opal Singleton that is. <laughs> For whatever reason, we cannot get my Skype to work today, so we're doing this over the phone, and I hope this works okay. We are going to hopefully turn this into a dialogue today. We have a really unusual show for you. Um, because I have a lot of my heart, and I really want to share this from an education point of view, and I want to get your opinion on this. Um, this show has a call-in number if you're in the United States. That number is 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. You can follow us at Million Kids on Facebook. If you're new to us, that is spelled M-I, spelled M-I-L-L-I-O-N. Millionkids.org is the website. And just go to Facebook and find Million Kids and like us. All of these shows, by the way, are archived at ExploitedCrimes.com because Exploited Crimes is the name of the show. And, uh, by the way, that is an amazing source of uh, education, of insights, information that you can share with others. If you go to exploitedcrimes.com, go into the listen section, scroll down, you will see all the archived shows that we have done, and it's based on subject, things like you know, uh, males in sex trafficking, sextortion. We did a couple of them on child pornography. We just recently did a series on women as predators. So that's the best way to get a free education, and you can share those with other people. So I know that we do have quite a following around the world. I, I just got the numbers this week, and I'm amazed at the number of followers, especially in Germany and the U.K., And I want you to know that we really, really appreciate you. We also understand, because uh, both Susie and I, and Susie's on the line this morning. Uh, Susie, you want to say hello? Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. (laughs) Susie and I, as you know from looking at me and Kit's Facebook page, we look at many, many articles on this, on sex trafficking, sextortion, child pornography, all of that. And we also understand that, especially in Europe, and uh, in, in uh, Lebanon, Jordan, Greece, all of those areas, Turkey, especially Turkey, I've been to Turkey several times. I love Turkey, but a, a Turkey uh, as a country is really going through a lot of uh, stress and changes. So is Germany, as we are seeing this mass migration take place across it, the world. So we want you to know that we know you're out there, and we really appreciate you. And today, we want to even uh, gear some of the conversation about that. I want to talk about truth and truth on the Internet. Um, This is very, very um, interesting, let's say, at this point in life, because we are in a place as a society that we have never, ever been before. I often say this is the first time in, uh, since the Tower of Babel that God has allowed us all to come together. And it certainly gets interesting when you have such a large conversation because the Internet has changed our lives dramatically even in the last 18 to 24 months. 
as we have put cell phones in the hands of young people all around the world, and many of them haven't been through puberty, and most of them do not have yet all of their cognitive reasoning. But it isn't just our young people that have joined this conversation. The Internet has allowed people from all over the globe, people who some of them have been hiding under rocks, in my opinion, are now able to come out and post on the Internet. So what Susie and I were talking about as we were developing the show is how do we teach our young people to discern the truth? And how do we teach them when they're in danger and when they're not? For instance, we all now know there are more, almost 4 billion users now. Many of those people can access our kids. We don't know how many predators we are. We know in 2011, the FBI said there were at least a million predators online at any given time. I have to believe since 2011, that's five years, and we've had a technology explosion that truly, that's a small number. And we know from the cases that we post and that we see that that is a small number. So we also know that predators, and Susie's going to, after the first break here, is going to read you a couple of cases or share with you a couple of cases of just how sophisticated this deception is becoming. Because we say, how do we teach our kids when they know if they're talking to a man who's pretending to be a woman or a woman who's pretending to be a man? Or, you know, how do we know that they're even in the country that they say that they're in? Because that is often a common deception. How do we teach our kids to evaluate an article and know what is truth and what is not true on the Internet? One of the things that triggered this is I was at a uh, dinner party with some friends of mine, friends that have been friends for 30, 40 years, and they're wonderful, wonderful people. I, I hold them part of my family. And they have an adult daughter that was there who I cherish greatly. I have a lot of respect for her. But we were having a discussion about uh, prostitution. Imagine that with me in the room. <laughs> anyway, but this girl suddenly blurted out and said, no, all sex buyers are white males that are in suits and you know, most of them are Republicans. I'm like, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. But she's getting that. First of all, she works in the school system, and so there are a lot of, in the United States, there's a lot of interesting education going on in our school systems. Number one, I can tell you that most of them are not white males in suits. Now, there's plenty of white males, but many of them are plumbers or floor tilers or dish diggers or unemployed or, you know, military people or other people. And we never ask if they're Democrats or Republicans, you know, when we pick them up. It never occurred to us to ask. But it was an interesting concept because she gets a lot of her education from either the Internet or from the school system. And so as I started to look at that concept, I looked at some articles this week that have been in the news. Now, uh, I know you folks overseas, you know, we think that here in America that we have the most liberal, the most free news sources around the world here in the United States. But I have come to the opinion that that's simply not true. One of, one of the reasons I know that that isn't true, quite frankly, is I was in uh, the U.K. on my way to, I believe I was on my way to uh, Austria or Germany, at the time when Bill Clinton uh, had his deal with Monica Lewinsky. And what was fascinating is I called home to my husband, and I said, have you seen this Monica story? And he's like, no, I haven't. And it was all over. I, you know, all the British tabloids were there. All the, it was in every language at the airport when I saw this. It was two days in America before it was reported here in America the folks overseas in Europe had that information two days before it was announced here. So that told me how much the news was being controlled. So one of the things that sparked this conversation is this thing that's going on in America called Pizzagate. So what happened in Pizzagate, if you're not following this, is it's a fake news story. Everything that's out there right now, all the, all the news on the news is about fake news. 
And what had happened is a story began to circulate by some, you know, off-the-grid group that Hillary Clinton and her aides were running a child sex ring out of a pizza parlor in Washington, D.C. And that had got some guy all riled up, and he ended up showing up at the pizza parlor with a gun. And before it was over, the gun was fired. Fortunately, nobody was hurt or killed. But then all the conspiracy theories kicked in. And you would not believe some of these stories that are going around about, yes, it's true, yes, it's true, and like that. So what happened in this case is that um, Hillary Clinton made a statement, this isn't about politics or partisanship. By the way, this is a quote, lives are at risk, lives of ordinary people just trying to go about their days to do their jobs, contribute to their communities, unquote. So what she's saying is, be careful, folks, out there with fake news because lives are at stake. I don't disagree with that because this was a fake uh, story that started this that ended up in somebody taking action. However, as she was saying that, I thought to myself, this is the same Hillary Clinton who, as Secretary of State, stood by an open casket with the parents of a fallen hero from Benghazi telling them, that she was going to get the person that, ca- that made the video that caused this. We now know that there wasn't a video and that she had already told her daughter that it was really based on terrorism. So she's making a fake statement while she's talking about fake news. Now, I know this is getting political, and I'm not going to take a particular side, but I want to just give you some further illustrations. The, the Huffington Post this morning... Now, Huffington Post is supposedly a very highly respected journalism kind of thing. And that is one of the issues here. How do we tell the difference between journalism and people's opinion that is out there? How do we teach our kids to tell the difference? Because it used to be up until about 12 months ago when the Internet kind of took control of our lives, that if it was in print, it better be accurate or you're going to be fired. In fact, there was a time not very long ago that your word was your bond. If you put it, if you said it, if you printed it, it better be right because your integrity, your dignity, your quality as a professional depended on whether or not you told the truth. But now... It's an interesting thing. We're going to talk about a study here in a minute from NPR. In fact, I'll just, before I go into this other headline, I'll cover that one of the things that triggered this conversation is that there's a study by National Public Radio. Now, they're basically a left-wing, kind of a liberal group, and their study was fascinating to me. Their headline was, Students Have Dismaying Inability to Tell Fake News, from real news, and that's what the study found. One of their lines was, if, children, if the children are the future, the future might be ill-informed. What they found in their study, and this was done by Stanford graduate schools, what they, they looked at 7,800 students, and their comment was, there's a stunning and dismaying consistency about students getting duped again and again. Now, remember, where I'm going with this is when they get duped in personal relationships on the Internet, they end up being violated. But it's easy to dupe them if, in fact, they don't understand the difference between real and fake when they're looking at it on the Internet. This study said that more than 80% of middle schoolers could, could not tell the difference between sponsored content and real news. In other words, they couldn't tell the difference between an advertisement and when there was an actual news story. And as you know, many uh, advertisers now are creating news stories that look like adver- that look like news stories, but they're really trying to sell you something. In fact, if you're on the Huffington Post, I can tell you that is their most prominent tactic, selling tactic, is to make their advertisement look like a news story. They said also that middle schoolers, which we're now putting our middle school young people on the Internet, on phones, to be able to access that whenever they want to. Most high school students accept photographs as if they're real. They actually put a picture in this study 
of a, a drooping flower, and uh, they had a caption on it as some sort of Japanese flower that I can't say. It's Fukushima nuclear flower. And the headline said simply, not much more to say. This is what happens when flowers get nuclear birth defects. Now, the whole thing was a fake. It was a fake, okay? The flowers had never seen the nuclear kind of thing. And we asked the students, does this photograph provide proof that the nuclear disaster causes aberrations in nature? 80% of them said yes, absolutely. They never questioned the photo. They never questioned if the photo was real. That's very important when we're talking about teaching our children how to discern truth because they get pictures all the time. One of the favorite things for a predator to do is send the photo of somebody else. We, one of our biggest cases, and I don't want to go too deep into it here because it's being litigated right now, one of our biggest cases here in Southern California, as, as you know, Susie and I work with the uh, Riverside County Anti-Human Trafficking Task Force, and we deal with real cases, and we analyze real cases. We have a case where a man put up a photograph of a girl who wanted to be a prostitute. And we had over 200 of our local kids contact her. This girl was supposedly making money hand over fist, being a prostitute. She had a new car. She was going to Vegas, on and on and on. She did not exist. This was a fake photo. And then they would contact the fake photo girl and say, show me how to do this. And a lot of our kids, over 100, showed up. And many of them had sex with this guy. The girl would say, hey, let me set you up with our best customer. He's great and bad. It's just sex. You can make a little money. He tips well. And let's see if that works for you. Over a 100 of our kids showed up. When he had sex with them, he said, hey, let's look at this video we just made together. You're now a prostitute. Do you get this? They can't tell the difference between a photograph and reality, and that was 80%. Many of these high school kids couldn't tell the difference between real and fake news source. Many of them thought that MoveOn.org was a real news source. Anybody in America knows that MoveOn.org is a left-wing agenda organization put out by the Democrat Party. I'm not saying that makes them bad. I'm saying that gives them an organization as a bias. But none of these kids, well... 80% could not tell. And then when you got into tweeting, which is really interesting, it said most college students never suspected a potential tweet as being from an activist group. Well, we're going to finish talking about that story here in a minute, but it tells you what happens when you tweet something. Then it gets retweeted and retweeted. I can't say it, but it sounds like the truth to our kids. And then all of a sudden, we start to build a reliable relationship as these people, our favorite grooming tactic. You go on kick, you get an instant message, it's funny, it's cute, you say something funny and cute back, pretty soon they move you around. One of the things these predators do when you get uh, connected with a predator, they'll move you immediately from Twitter or from texting into Instagram, into Facebook, over to YouTube, Number one, they don't want to get picked up by the law. And number two, they have all the control over you as they're leading you around. So you text, you tweet, you go on Facebook, they share an Instagram, you share YouTube, and pretty soon, let's play Xbox. And as I've said before, mom and dad are saying, don't talk to strangers on there, but it's not a stranger. And they are not able to understand that they have just been duped. They may think they're talking to like a 16-year-old, really cool, hot guy, and it's really either a 58-year-old pedophile who's grossly ugly, or maybe, as Susie's about to tell you, it's an entire ring of pedophiles, and they're not able to tell that. But I want to refer back to some news again today because I really want you to understand how this is happening to adults. And that's really, really important, especially for our friends out of Europe, where you have all of the refugees and the mass migration. Because, you know, you're displaced. People are in need. And, you know, you've lost everything. And you're trying to rebuild. And so I'm sure there's all these fake jobs that are being advertised. You know, you can become a nanny. You can become a a bartender. uh, 
all kinds of things that will lead you off to a life where they have control and you are subject to exploitation. One of them, these two articles was on the news this morning, and I just wanted to share with you the concept. This headline says, Fake Images of Whore in Aleppo Spread on Social Media. Now, for those of you in America that are uninformed, Aleppo is the war that is taking place with ISIS, and it is absolutely dastardly. The level of violation that is taking place, especially to women, but also to men and children over there, is just beyond words, and you need to really start to get involved if you... uh, If you're an adult, you need to know what's going on in your world. But it was a fascinating article. It says, there are images circulating on social media portraying death and destruction out of the Syrian city of Aleppo. But a large portion of those images are fake, sparking an uproar among those who argue the false posts diminish the reality of those suffering and fighting on the ground. Boy, is that true. Here they are preying on the worst of the worst. These people are fighting for their lives. And we have fake news story. A user uh, posted photos showing bodies in the streets of a Syrian town. In reality, those scenes were lifted from a Lebanese pop music video. How disgusting is that? But it also tells you how low people are willing to go for this level of deception. And that was in today's news story. There was another one that was very interesting. This one, that one was by Huffington Post, by the way, uh, supposedly a reputable news source. This one is from Newser. Now, this is obviously a blog, but they use words like Newser. This is opinion. How are we going to teach our young people the difference between truth and lies, between distortion? You know, are people just giving their opinion? Or are they trying to lead you into action? For instance, recruitment into ISIS is a very common tactic. This one here is disgusting to me because it shows uh, Donald Trump and uh, Putin, Vladimir Putin, in a full-out on lip-on-lip headlock having a big kiss. And the headline says, NBC, Putin personally directed election hacking. And if you get into the story, what is fascinating here, it says Vladimir Putin didn't just know about the hacking. Uh, He participated in the rig to rig the election for Donald Trump. But then it goes on, if you read the article, it says it's not clear whether the assessment is based on new information. And further on down, it says what one level, high level source. They talk about sources, but they don't validate whether their sources are real. And later on, it says that creating the image couldn't depend on the U.S. to be a credible global leader. In other words, they're using this to lower the status of the United States. Officials tell Reuters, one of the biggest news agencies in the world, that the director of national intelligence has yet to endorse the fact that the CIA assessment that the hacking was done with intention to elect Donald Trump. The whole thing is a lie. The whole thing is a distortion, and you have this very intense picture of, of Putin and Trump embracing, kissing on the lips. Now, somebody is going to read that and think that's true. Just recently, I read an article that said, a, a major research article that said the dark web's only 50% dark, and I thought, what the heck? I do all kinds of research. That can't be true. And at the bottom of the article in small box, it said, this, artic- this research does not include child pornography rings because they are so prolific we can't count them. In other words, the entire headline, based on a reputable research company, was a lie. Well, we've got a long time here. The producers allowed us to stay on the air for the entire half, and we've foregone one uh, of our advertising so that we could set this up for you since I was running late. But I'm going to ask you to stay with us. We'll be right back after the break, and Susie's going to share a case with you and how this affects our young people. We'll be right back.
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Seduced, The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers, will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. Blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. You are listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome back. We are having an interesting dialogue discussion going on here about what is truth on the Internet and how can our young people discern who they're dealing with and whether they're interested in having an empowering relationship or an exploitive relationship. How can our young people look at data and know the truth And how can parents understand this and teach our young people to discern the truth? So I've asked Susie to come up with a couple of stories, and it's not hard, uh, about how this goes wrong for our young people. Susie? Hi, yeah. Uh, We've talked about this story uh, on another occasion, um, but this one is just so compelling and and just kind of blows my mind for so many reasons. This particular article is... Uh, entitled Online Exploitation Ring Involving Nebraska Man Lured Minors. Now, what I find interesting also is as I've done my research on this case is there's very little talked about the other five uh, defendants in this case. They mostly uh, focused the news stories on this gentleman, Brandon Hennerberg. He's 31 years old. And let me kind of, I'm going to kind of, sum up the story a little bit, an online child porn scheme involving a Southeast Nebraska man was so calculated, each member of the operation had one of four specific roles in exploiting children. They were either what they referred to as a hunter, a talker, a looper, and or a watcher. Uh, Hennerberg was considered a hunter, and that was someone who would chat with minors on social media sites, persuading them to move to a private chat room known as Sam on websites. He also served as a talker, chatting with them and encouraging them to engage in sex acts according to court documents. Now, Hannaberg was sentenced to 35 years in federal prison for his involvement in the child enticement ring. And according to the federal court documents, Hannaberg and a group of others, five other men, enticed 10 to 14-year-old girls via social media, and dared them to perform sexual acts on camera in a chat room. After the hunter was done with uh, the, the child, 
The talker then contacted the child and encouraged them to complete dares that would escalate into sexual activity. A looper was someone pretending to be a minor would play a previously recorded video of a minor performing sexual acts in order to persuade the new youth to follow suit. And then the watcher made sure that no unwanted users or suspected law enforcement officers accessed that, that chat room. So the people who ac accessed the chat room recorded the girls, officials said, and some later then distributed the videos. So they're creating child pornography. An IP address from a social media profile matched Henneberg's computer, and uh, it, he was there living with his parents, by the way, 31-year-old, and Hannaberg admitted to federal agents that he spoke with girls online, that his role was to persuade girls to perform sex acts on camera, and agents found Hannaberg's computer, which was logged into more than 10 chat rooms. Officials, oh. also found yeah, officials also found child pornography in a folder on the computer. Um, what what's, I want parents to really, and, and, and anyone who's wanting to be educated about this, to really hear this, okay? Imagine yourself as a 10-year-old girl, and you think you're talking to a cute little 12-year-old boy. But the reality is, is you're talking to six organized men who are manipulating you to get you to do things so for, for their own selfish gain. Um, it, it's so perverse and so profound that these men were collaboratively working and targeting the most innocent of, of the innocent in our world <laughs> and just corrupting them. Just disgusting to me. But uh, did they use more than one avenue on that? For instance, did they go from Twitter to Facebook to other sites? Uh, this particular article, uh, the, uh, I, let me find this real quick, uh, the, the DA there, Roth, said that many exploitation operations contact use on the messaging app Kick. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, but it sounds like they were taking them from uh, one place using probably Kick or, or maybe meeting them somewhere else and then bringing them to Kick into private chat rooms. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not, or, and they were using obviously video applications. So I'm not exactly sure what specific social media they were using, but they were using multiple formats to move them, as you said, into mm -hmm. their chat rooms. See, the reason why Susie and I find this article so interesting, this, this by the way, is not a standalone unique situation. One of the things that you're starting to see is these large-scale child pornography rings that are working kids in groups because now, because of the dark web, these child pornographers get together, then they operate in the clear web to get the photographs. This is why we talk to kids about never, ever send your photograph to another person, even if it's your boyfriend. If you're going to give him your picture, hand it to him. Do not put it on the Internet because you can end up in these large-scale child porn rings. But here's what I think is important in that, too, is that any time your child is in a chat room, they are in an environment where they are going to want approval. Now, first of all, I have a real problem with this because some of these kids were 10 years old. And, you know, anybody who's handing a 10-year-old a phone for a very length of time better be on that phone with them because otherwise I can guarantee you your child's, you know, you might as well just, you know, walk her up and down the street and say for sale. Because you start putting a 10-year-old on a cell phone without supervision and you're asking for trouble. They have no discernment ability at all in any, in any form. And they want approval. But as we give our kids these phones and they go in these chat rooms, these chat rooms are absolutely a world for grooming. Because think about it. Now, let's say it's just a general chat room, not a gaming chat room. You know, it gets levels of intensity if it's a gaming chat room because if it's just in a chat room what's happening is they're going back and forth and you know it's competitive they're wanting to to be approved of and to be liked and they're so they're trying to think of their coolest things to say and they're not able to discern who they're talking with 
So, uh, you know, I honestly believe that no young person, especially on the age of 16, ought to be in a chat room. They don't have cognitive reasoning. And so, you know, that is any time your child's in a chat room, that's going to be a challenge, especially if they're in a gaming chat room. Think about that. They're, they're competing in a fantasy world. Oftentimes, it's influenced with sex and, and violence. And then we open the door to a chat room, and there's scores right there in front of them. And there's all kinds of pressure to get that score up to please the team. And that team is talking to you, and you need the approval of the team. No wonder so many kids are groomed in chat rooms. And they don't know who they're talking to, but they know they need their approval. So you don't have a lot of cognitive thinking going on there about what do you know about this. One of the things I've talked about in my book is fantasy relationships. You really don't know hardly anything about the people you're talking with. Well, so if we're going to hand these kids these phones, how are we going to, how are we going to deal with that? I, I found this interesting that these guys all come together to do this. Susie and, Susie and I have talked about this. Uh, because right now I'm studying a lot of the changes that are going on in child pornography. And, and this is very, very important. In order to keep child pornographers happy, they need to access our kids and get them to send a naked photo. Now, Susie, didn't you say they, they were sending out pictures of kids and sex acts? Is that what you said? They were using a, a pre-recorded video of children in sex acts pretending to be that minor child in order to dupe the other child into doing the same. And as you said, with fantasy relationships, um, you know that they'll give you so much information, and then the the victim fills in the blanks with all their hopes and dreams. This is right. this is my perfect little boyfriend. Oh my god. So I have to, you know, I want to please him. I want to do this and that. And so while these men are playing a pre-recorded video pretending to be the child in that video, the ch- the victim is saying, "Oh, I need to do the same." And yeah, they're it's they're okay. it's okay for them. So I've got to do this. The yeah. pressure is on to comply. Yes. I, I I actually was in a high school the other day where I was talking to a young girl. And we were talking about why you never want to send your naked photo on the Internet because it can go to a lot more people than the one you're sending it to. And she said, honestly, I'm not making this up, guys. She honestly said to me, well, you know, you, you kind of have to send them the naked photo, video, uh, photograph or they won't go out with you. They want to see what they're getting. You're like, hello, <laughs> Right. Things have changed since I dated. (laughs) (laughs) When you pre-qualify with a video or a a photograph, but this is how it is. And one of the things that that Susie and I really want to make clear to people that are listening out here all over the world is over and over and over again in these cases, we see where they use a video of other kids having sex one kid engaging in sex with another kid to show them that it's okay to lower their, their resistance, their, um, their inhibitions to say, no, it's okay. All the kids are doing this. And, you know, this is, this is how this all starts. So I think that this is very, very important conversation. Where do we begin to tackle this? How do we even train parents to talk to kids? Because, quite frankly, most parents are technophobic and some are techno-impotent, you know, and they don't get it. I'm going to suggest to you that you sit with your child. Well, first of all, I'd like to suggest to you that if you don't have a book seduced, that you might want to go on millionkids.org and order the book. Because as Susie said, one whole chapter is just on fantasy relationships. We need to train the parent first because the parent can't train the child if they don't get it. But the next thing to do is set on some of these important articles. And, you know, if you're going to give your child a phone, don't use it as a toy or an entertainment. Use it as an education opportunity. Sit down and look at the day's headlines, some of them. Pick some. Look at the stories on me and kids' Facebook page. And, you know, look at it from the standpoint of what do we know about the victim? 
oh my gosh, she's only 14 years old. She thought she had a boyfriend. She snuck out to meet him. You know, or she's a runaway and she doesn't have anything that she can work with. So go through the stories. What do we know about the predator? How could law enforcement find her? How could this girl make it so that she never got violated? And start to go through our stories on Facebook and use that as training material. And use that to train yourself. Start to talk to them about the difference between a blog and an opinion piece and a reporter. And is it a reporter with a slant? Are they on the right, on the left? Do they have reliable sources or they just say resources? Well, darn, guys, we're up against a break. It is that time again. Stay with us for a few seconds. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Seduced, The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers, will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. We're going to start out. Susie had some more ideas that she wanted to share with us. We're talking about truth on the Internet and how our kids can know, number one, who they're really talking to and if what they're seeing is really true. And then how do we educate parents to understand this and begin to educate the child? And Susie at break was sharing some more things with me. Why don't you go for it, Susie? Okay. Um, Also from the story that I shared, um, I saw some very interesting points made by Matthew Roth. He's the Chief of General Crimes Unit for the U.S. Attorney's Office in the uh, Eastern District of, of Michigan. And he said parents should have access to their children's phones so they can read conversations like on kick and that. But he he also said that parents that can take away their children's phones at night to prevent such contact because these kids aren't doing this in the kitchen at 4 p.m. They're, they've got their phones with them all the time. Uh, he also suggested that parents talk about children about technology safety. They should set limits on Internet use, restrict access to inappropriate sites and make sure kids know they won't face punishment if they tell a trusting adult they're being harassed. Before your child gets a phone, talk about potential scenarios. What would you do when others are talking negatively about someone else in a group or a chat text? Um, safety is a conversation and a shared responsibility among us all. We we really do need to open dialogue. And I think you've said that for years now, and, and it's all over in, in the book Seduced, The Grooming of America's Teenagers. You know, you can buy... Uh, internet safety software, you know, or tracking software where you you can see what your kids are doing online, but there's always going to be some new application. There's always going to be something new, and it's almost impossible for a parent to keep up with technology. This is why open communication and dialogue with your child is so important. They need to know that they can come to you, but they also need to understand that not everybody who says who they are on the Internet is who they are. 
Boy, it's all that true. Everything you said, uh, as I'm studying all this new technology, it just gives me shivers to see where this is going. But you are absolutely right in that article. You know, you own that phone if you're a parent, and you're loaning it to your child. Now, use it to build a strong relationship. Technology isn't good or bad. It's how we choose to use it. And I simply, if I were providing a person with a phone and they're under the age of 16, I would simply say, you know, this is a privilege that we're providing with you. And, you know, we need to see that you can be a leader and use this in a mature fashion. And because of that, I'm going to look at my phone on a regular basis that I loan to you. Now, I want you to teach me about technology, and I want to teach you about technology, because this is the first generation in all of history that has had this unique opportunity to reach the entire world. And I'm the mother and father of this generation, and you're the first young people. And we want this to be successful for you. You know, this is a major opportunity for you. But it's also a major threat if you choose to use it inappropriately. I have no problem with a parent checking a phone. Here's the problem with it, though. In the last couple of weeks, they introduced encrypted messaging. And it won't be but a few weeks until much of the Internet is encrypted messaging. Instagram introduced disappearing video. And so it won't be long to all those filters that you have aren't going to work. So it must be a dialogue. And it must be trust. And I I encourage you to approach it from a positive manner. No is a very short sentence. But I'm going to tell you I have no problem with no if you're seeing a child that is abusing the phone. If you saw your child standing on a train track and a racing train was coming down that track, you would go over there and push that child off that track. You would do it in a heartbeat and you would not apologize. And I want you to think of that phone as it, as it literally a train and a train track. However, having said that, what a great opportunity for you guys to use this for education and for building leadership and building integrity and honor and having discussions about truth with your child. Sit down and look at these, these cases. Whenever I look at a case, don't just look at it and go, oh, my, that's awful. They ought to castrate that guy. <laughs> which happens on our Facebook page regularly. But look at it (laughs) and say, what did we learn? What was that child doing? Where was the parent? What was the child thinking? How were they able to dupe that young person? What how do you think, what influence, were they runaways, to, uh, were they having too much access, were they on a site that's high risk, what about that predator, what do we know about that predator, and how could that girl have ever told that that's a predator, begin to, to educate your child, use news stories about this, and talk to it, the reason I want to do this is next week, we are going to start to talk about all these new technologies, I am just like right up to my eyeballs in new technology and understanding and predicting what is happening here. There are literally, I am predicting there will be an entire new industry of what I call cyber sex on demand, a new, a whole new kind of sex trafficking that is about to take place here based on technology. I believe that we're going to start to have mob cyber child exploitation in live streaming where literally thousands of pedophiles watch a child be violated and they talk to each other. And as we start to understand the impact of this, think about the, this is going to get worse and worse. I'm sorry I have bad news for you. But when you start to put together, the last child porn ring they discovered had 215,000 pedophiles. They discovered a second ring this week in Norway that had 150 terabytes of naked and exploited children, highly, highly violated and exploited children. That came on the heels of the case last week or week before last from Scotland where they had 30 million images. Between those two cases, that's over 60 million images of naked and violated children that are being distributed on both the clear web and the dark web. Let's say they're duplicates, some of Say it's only 30 million. That is not 30 million images. That is 30 million children. 
that somewhere along the line is being violated. We're having disappearing video. We have live streaming coming on. We have cyber currency that is anonymous and non-traceable. We have the ability to bring whole groups together on the, on the disappearing video that Instagram announced. We're going to really get into this next week on the next session. On that disappearing video, they can literally, while they're making the video, go out to their email address book and notify everybody on that address book, hey, I'm making this video, come on board. You talk about a chance to violate a child. You know, they're making one video, they're bringing in others, and it will literally change your child's life and your life forever. And I'm saying that we need to start to understand how all this works. As Susie talked about in my book, uh, we talk about fantasy relationships because what happens is kids are living in a fantasy world. You know, think about Pokemon Go. Now, I'm not against that. It's a fun little game. But they are chasing a fantasy character in a real-life environment. And that is how a child gets violated. You know, they're chasing that little thing, and then they get hit by a bus. I know that's not funny, but you get the idea. You know, they're on a, a game chat room, and they're playing a game, and they get a naked photo, and they want one back. The same kid who would never send his naked photo gets lured in because he's seeing his score goes up and she's such a cute little thing and the whole whole team is involved and you know he makes a a real life decision in a fantasy world because he believes as long as he's in a fantasy world it doesn't matter it doesn't count it's not real but the minute he sends that real photo his life's changed forever the same thing happens to our little 14-year-old girls. They're in there on kick, and they go to Instagram and Facebook, and they're, they're, have, they're playing a YouTube together. And next thing you know, they're playing a game, and one day she sneaks out and gets in a car with him. And the very second she puts her foot in that car, the decision she made in a fantasy world has just caused her to make a real-life decision that will change her life and the life of a parent forever. So truth matters. Teaching our kids cognitive reasoning to be able to understand the difference between fantasy and reality, understand when something's opinion, when somebody's trying to steer you some way, because they're using fake news stories to change our children's opinion, and the NPR study will tell you that our kids can't tell the difference. Well, this is a show. It's wrapped up. It's in a can, and we're going to ask you to join us next week as we come back to you again. This is Susie and Opal Singleton. Follow us at Me and Kids on Facebook. Find us at meandkids.org. Look at archive shows on exploitedcrimes.com, and email me if you want to at Opal at Me and Kids. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Please join your host, Opal Singleton, for another edition next Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have another important discussion next week.